Hello and welcome to the first episode of Creator Spotlight Season 2 from The Interface. Creator Spotlight is our new series where we talk to creators about what they make and do and how they got started. Today I'm joined by Trinity Francis, who is an automotive journalist and has appeared in such magazines as Autocar, Top Gear and many more. So welcome. Thank you. It's nice to be here. That's all right. Um, yeah, so this podcast is for um, talking to creators about what they make and do. Um, so I've had some automotive journalists on before, um, as people would have seen. Um, so yeah, it's just a little bit of introduction about you in case people don't know who you are. What 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 do you do? So I'm Trinity. I'm an automotive journalist, um, which means I write reviews. I do news. I write about classic cars, commercial. I drive new stuff, old stuff, and everything in between. So that's <laughs> yeah i noticed on i think i so i found you on twitter i think um and there was you regularly have this thing of guess the car which i find really cool uh so you sort of have you driving a little car and then uh whatever car is and people have to guess what it is so you sort of post the photos which is quite cool what's your sort of background did you when how did you get started into into journalism um so before i went to uni i knew i wanted to do something to do with writing um and i wasn't sure which path to go down and then i kind of settled on the journalism degree um, and I did some work experience at Watcar, Autocar, and also some titles at Autovia as well. Um, so throughout the three years at uni, okay. I had quite a lot of experience. Um, and I just really enjoyed it. And as a woman, I think, yeah, yeah. like, automotive is quite a niche anyway. But being a woman in the industry was definitely, mm. like, it's unusual. Um, so, yeah, I've really enjoyed it. And since finishing uni, I've gone freelance straight away. Um, so I've worked with quite a few different yeah. titles and Classic Car Weekly have just given me a start with classic car stuff. So they've asked me to go out and drive some stuff, write different stuff. So that's been really fun to just go out and drive old cars. And as you say, like it's good Twitter as well. Like people really enjoy guessing and there's a big community of classic car people as well. So yeah, it's been good to get into. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, I've made a point of getting... So getting people, getting women in the industry on on the podcast, I've had um, uh, Nikki Hume and, and Natasha chatting in the past before. Just I think it's quite important. Just to, uh, is, as you said, it is quite unusual to have women doing automotive journalism. It's it shouldn't it shouldn't be unusual, but it, it unfortunately is. Um, so I thought it's really important to focus on that. Um, most people do. So with the freelancing stuff, how do you? It's something I've not I've not looked at before, and I've guess. It's an, like an unknown to some people as well. How do you approach? Do people do magazines approach you when they want stuff written, or do you approach them? I, I'm not. I'm, I'm not familiar how it, how it works, but um, so most of my business has come through LinkedIn. Um, so it's reaching out to people, seeing if they have any freelance requirements, um, and then it's okay. it's whether it's a mixture of like some people you pitch to and you write particular stories um, of stuff they're looking for. Or other people will send you briefs and then you write to that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's all about making the first contact, really. And LinkedIn's a really good place to do that. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Yeah, just just out of interest. So, um, are you planning on doing any? Is is something? Is YouTube is something you're planning on doing at all? I notice a lot of people are doing video work, or there's a lot of people that have done video in the past and then they're um, they're sort of quite established and they've moved to YouTube. Um, or some people are just, just, just starting out on YouTube. Is that something you've you've looked at doing before? Just quite interesting. Um, I think every time I have a car, I do videos for myself right now because I think I'm trying to build it up a little bit. And if you don't have any experience, it's hard to get someone to 
take a bet on you and just take you on um to do a video so I do yeah, some yeah. practice for myself at the moment but it's something I'm looking to do in the future definitely yeah it's quite cool I, I started doing uh, YouTube for, for the, the interface website last year and it is quite a learning experience about all the editing and how much time everything takes it's just, it's crazy I spoke to a couple of YouTubers last year and they were saying um, for a 20 minute video or something it could take all day so you spend an entire day filming it and then another entire day editing it which I, I can attest to because I've, I've done that recently myself and it's just it's crazy how much time gets lost into editing videos it's and sort of perfecting the little details it's quite it's mad yeah definitely there's a lot to think about yeah um in terms of like old cars what's your main so with with classic cars do you have any classic cars yourself or i don't at the moment um i would like to get a classic pickup truck um so i'm looking at like an american ford f-150 something like that um i've just not found the right one yet nice yeah it's um uh, it's quite unusual for for like younger people to uh, myself and and yourself to to like be interested in older cars i noticed a lot of interest around mg rover as well from there's a lot of a lot of people on on twitter and youtube are around around 25 30 of are looking at older cars now it's sort of quite interesting it's it's a bit it's it's quite strange that sort of older cars that were would was um thought about that they were not so interesting uh, if you get what i mean yeah yeah sort of stuff renewed interest it's quite good though yeah and stuff that was around like before i was born i know like it's becoming more interesting now but i didn't grow up with it so i'm kind of looking back on it and yeah. learning about different stuff um but yeah i think there's just so much character in old cars and because people personalize them quite a lot when they had them at the time now they're quite quirky they've got different things that you wouldn't find on normal cars and they've all got their own history and personality and i think that's a big attraction for a lot of people yeah especially now there's a lot of with a like the car new car market as it is there's a lot of there's a lot of good stuff there's a lot of just i guess people aren't so interested in the sort of boring stuff and it does seem quite if you get what i mean um especially with i guess that way with evs as well so i'm a personal personally I, I really like evs but i guess there's a lot of people that don't because of how less engaging they are, are you, have you reviewed any evs or yeah i've driven quite a few evs um i think they're quite different from manufacturer to manufacturer um yeah. it depends how big the car is like i was actually driving the maxis t90 mm. EV this morning so that's a electric pickup and that was quite different from any electric mm. cars driven. um so yeah there's there's so much tech and different manufacturers are playing with different stuff like the genesis gv60 it's got a little boost button on the steering wheel mm. and that's great fun like it's such a novelty um but yeah it's just i think the adoption for evs isn't as big yet but i think it's going somewhere in the right direction with cars yeah especially the people that are interested in sort of the characteristics of a car they need mm-hmm. to, there needs to be more I guess as as we'll, we'll go on, that personality of a car may come out with different electric cars as the manufacturers play around with them and sort of learn what they can offer customers. Mm. Um, so yeah, definitely. Um, there's a lot of yeah. Also, there's a lot of there's a lot of um, work being done to electrify classic cars as well. I noticed there's a lot of 
classic cars that are sort of there's a few companies around the country that are electrifying those those old cars which is quite good to see as well because people like the style of those old cars so yeah um in terms of the, any cars you've reviewed what's what do you think the the like the over the last few years what's the sort of the most standout model you've you've looked at or had um i'd say out of the cars that i've driven it would probably be, yeah, it'd probably be the Porsche GT4. Um, so I didn't get a chance to write a review about that, but it's one of those cars that I drove it and I couldn't stop thinking about it afterwards. I was like, I have to have one at some point. Um, in terms of cars yeah. reviewed, um, I did a review on the McLaren Artura uh, when it came out. So that was pretty fun to go and drive that and write about that. Um, and I'd driven the 720S previously so it was good comparison between the two um so yeah as it's i guess those are kind of more performance cars but it's it's just a mix of stuff really like it's what sticks out in your mind like i drove a morris marina for the first time a few months ago and i thought i was going to die like the brakes were awful but it was so much fun to just be in something completely yeah different. yeah it's, it's crazy how far cars have definitely come that sort of the refinement of of even cars from 20 years ago that not as refined as they are now it definitely shows and especially cars from from the that era so mm. yes yeah, so in terms of the the cars that you get attached do the do the magazines give you them to tell you go out on your own and go to the, go to the go to the car manufacturers and get press loans because that's always something i ask people like how do you how do you go out what's your approach to that um so normally if it's new stuff it will be through the manufacturers so organizing a press loan um because I'm part of the Southern group of motoring writers, um, we get invited to different events and we have events through them that a manufacturer okay. will bring like a number of their cars and we get to drive those all day. Um, so I've been on a couple of those last year. And then there's also the SMMT events um, and they that's a range of different manufacturers who bring cars and it's a day where you get to go and drive loads of different stuff and meet PRs as oh, well. Okay, like that's, press days. Yeah. Um, and then with the classic stuff, All right. that's kind of talking to garages and seeing what stock they have available um, and go down and drive those. And then with the commercial stuff as well, that's more okay. dealing with um, dealerships and seeing what stock they have available. Uh, because with the commercial stuff, there's not there's not a big press fleet sometimes for those. And if manufacturers don't have a big presence no. in the UK it's easier to go through dealerships. Yeah, you mentioned um, Max, is that, that's part of LDV, isn't it, I think? Am I right? Is that wrong? I don't know. Um, I don't okay. really know that much about them right now. Okay. I'm, trying to, I'm trying to drive some more pickup trucks and commercial stuff, but yeah, they're quite local to me, so I thought I'd go down and see what they've got. That's good. That's good, though. There isn't much coverage of commercial vehicles. It's, it's definitely... It is a large section of the market and there's a lot of a lot of work that's been done to electrify those those vehicles as well um but yeah it's interesting that well, it's, it's good it's good that someone's focusing on the commercial stuff because it is an important there's a lot of a lot of purchases to get made so yeah, yeah there's a lot of a lot, more. a lot of work that's been done yeah commercial is quite interesting like it was more i didn't know anything about it and getting into it and writing about it, talking to people. It's a completely different world, but it's really interesting. Like there's so much to learn and mm -hmm. a lot of different people to talk to and different points of view. It's really nice to talk to 
talk to people about their trucks and I'm big into trucks, so <laughs> it's good fun. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. Yeah, that's, that's that's really good though. Um there's a lot of new stuff that's coming out. I think there's electric transit coming out in a few years' time. So we've already I think it's already been released. Mm -hmm. So hopefully you'll get to get to try that out. Yeah. And I know I know Ford and Volkswagen have sort of partnered up because the commercial commercial vehicles are very much a like with a, with passenger cars, it's very much every manufacturer does relatively their own thing. But commercial vehicles, because there's not that many sold, even though there's a lot sold, there's not that many compared to passenger vehicles. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of collaboration that takes place, a lot of platform sharing. Um, and for a very long time, Ford and Volkswagen were doing their own things, and they've now partnered up. So, be interested to see what they come up with. I know the ID Buzz is the platform for the new Transit, so mm. be quite interesting. Um, is there any commercial vehicles that you know of that you're that are coming out soon that you're hoping to drive or um i think more on the commercial side right now i'm doing a lot of interviews with people um so it's like visiting oh, okay uh yeah it's like visiting logistics companies and chatting to them about what they do what trucks they run um so i'm doing quite a lot of work with commercial motor um oh. so yeah okay that'd be interesting it's, it's one thing looking at what a vehicle is and what it does but it's, it's like another thing like going to someone who actually uses it day in day out and seeing how they, that's that'd be quite interesting to read actually so yeah it's good because, yeah, definitely like a use case scenario so yeah 100 percent. it's a lot of like different case scenarios and everyone's got different sized fleets for all of their different operations so it's whether they run in the uk europe in london what different standards they need for each truck um and just in general what the drivers think of them because at the end of the day, they're the ones that spend the most time with them. So, yeah, it's nice to hear what people think and the different yeah. manufacturers they're going with. Are these are these fleets mostly small ones, like local things, or they do cover? Will you look at covering like big fleets, like Royal Mail or British Gas or whatever? Or because I know those use those use electric vans already. So yeah, it varies. It depends. Like a lot of it's more local stuff. So I go and visit them and have a chat to them and kind of see where they work from. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a mix of stuff really, and I'm I'm only really at the tip of the iceberg. Like, there's so much to so much to explore still. I'm right. Oh yeah, yeah. That's a really interesting. Uh, it should be really interesting to read, actually. So, yeah. What what magazine will that will that be in? If just out of interest. Uh, so I'm writing for Commercial Motor. Okay. So it's, yeah, we'll make we'll make sure we put a link down below for that. So. Yeah, it's a B2B publication. Um, so yeah, I write for B2B B2C. Um, lots of different stuff. So. Yeah, definitely. There's be be interesting as you start doing that. What the fleet's plans are for electrification as well, because um, as I said, I noticed that British Gas and Royal Mail are using electric vans in their fleets now. And um, I recently went to London in December. I was surprised that as soon as you enter the the city, how many large vans and things because they're quite expensive. The large vans, mm -hmm. how many of them are electric now? Um, it just seems because I live out in the countryside. It's been quite interesting to see. It was quite weird to see all the electric vans. I haven't seen them for quite a while. So, <laughs> yeah, I think it depends where people operate. If you're in a city, I think it's easier because you're not doing the miles. It's a lot of start stop, so it kind of saves the engine, as it were, like because your battery run instead. Um, but I think for longer haul stuff, or even just generally up and down the country, I think electric's not quite there yet. I think some people are waiting for hydrogen, especially for the long like European stuff. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where the infrastructure goes in the next few years. But I think commercially, it's a little bit behind where passenger cars are in terms of electric infrastructure. Yeah, I, I noticed there's a 
as I've mentioned British Gas again, there's a there's a local charging station to me. There's a guy always charging there. It must <laughs> must be uh must spend most of his day charging his van when he's when he's there, but it's quite funny. <laughs> um yeah, that's that's good though. Um so yeah, it, in terms of new cars that come out, one of the standout cars to me, uh, I've mentioned this to a few people already, was the have you had a chance to drive the MG four at all? Yeah. You have, yeah. What did, what do you think about it? I really liked it. I was really impressed. It was yeah, I've fun. seen I've seen a couple of, a couple of out out about now. They're start, starting to get delivered. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I think for some such a like compact car, it's great. But also, obviously, the price is a big deciding factor for a lot of people moving to electric, and it makes sense at that price. Like, it's good fun to drive. You don't feel like yeah. you're sacrificing anything because you've got an EV. Like, it's really nice inside. And also, like, even though it's small, I still feel like you've got the amount of room that you'd expect in a hatchback that size. Um, but, yeah, the price point is definitely a big yeah. win for that. Yeah, in terms of people's, like, um, barriers to entry, that's one of the cars that's been, like, quite needed in the market because when the Model 3 came out, that was supposed to be a car for everyone. And, unfortunately, the price has gone up and up and up. A lot of cars have gone up and up. Um, I had a look at the interesting when the Honda E came out. That was twenty six thousand pounds back in twenty twenty, and it's now like thirty seven thousand. Yeah. So in- instead of making cars easy easy to own and um, easy to get into, they're just becoming more expensive. So it's good that a company has finally come out, and it's not there's no doesn't look like there's any compromises with it really, mm-hmm. apart from there's no heat pump. I think I think that's the only thing I can think of that hasn't got. But it's good that there's something available for for people now. So. Yeah, you, d- you don't have to answer this if you don't want to. But what sort, what cars do you do you own personally? Um, so what's your so daily driver? I've got Volkswagen Polo at the moment. Um, so it's a little 09 plate, but it's great. Like it's three doors, but I fit so much in that car. <laughs> like dining tables, workshop benches, just literally everything. I could move my whole house. <laughs> <laughs> it's brilliant. So yeah, I don't plan on getting rid of it anytime soon. That's great. No, so. <laughs> Certain cars are just so. I personally, I've got an up GTI, mm-hmm. um, bought that a few years ago, and I just I can't quite separate it with separate with mm. it. It's just some cars just are so useful and so much fun to drive that, um, you just yeah, you just don't want to get rid of them, which I don't plan on doing. So, yeah, I love driving manual cars as well. Like, I always love yeah. getting back in my car and just having a proper gear stick again, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, even something with, yeah, even something as um that hasn't got loads of power it's still quite a good fun thing to yeah to use with a manual gearbox it's, it's i feel great. like you learn so much more driving manual in what like do you mean do you mean initially when people start driving i think just in general like as you say if you're driving something that's not as powerful being in a manual really helps you work out how to drive it and maximize the potential of that particular car like, as you say my polo is it's not very far it doesn't yeah. go very far but because I've driven it, it makes it easier to drive other cars and kind of work out how to get the most out of them. That makes sense, actually. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, I've always wondered for a little while what's going to happen to new drivers in a few years' time. Are they going to have? Are they going to have the option of of learning in an electric? Electric, and then does that? That's probably going to limit their sort of what cars they can drive in the future. So I'm not. I'm not. I'm not really familiar with what the process is like at the moment. But it'd be interesting to find out. If that comes under the process of an automatic gearbox for learning, so mm. 
I think it's also like with electric cars, you just put your foot down and it goes. And if you're not used to that, like sensitivity, yep. but also you're driving a car that's very fast, very like if you put your foot down, it goes really quickly. But if you're driving next to someone who's got a manual and they've only got 100 brake horsepower, they're not going very fast. So you're kind of anticipating that either people will move quickly and I don't know, I feel like if everyone on the road isn't matched power-wise, like if there's quite a big gap between EVs and like petrol or diesel cars, then people learn to drive differently. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, you, you could also, with that, you could also have people learn to drive electrics. They'll have no experience of ever of a combustion car mm. in the in the future. And then, they'll, as you said, they'll expect people to, to accelerate quickly out of junctions and things. So that could be... An interesting time but yeah yeah for anyone we, we touched on freelancing earlier um have you got any any sort of career advice for people getting started into freelancing it doesn't have to be motoring journalism it could apply to anything i guess i guess my advice would be definitely set up a linkedin profile um reach out to people even if you don't know them just ask see if anyone's got any freelance work um and then I think the difference with LinkedIn is because it's you've got a face on it, it's more like a social media profile, people are more willing to come back, but also it's more personal than an email. And they get to know a bit about you through your profile, but it's all professional. Um, but I find a lot of people are quite responsive in evenings and weekends, whereas they wouldn't be over email in that time. So that's a good way of building rapport and seeing if anyone has any work. I'd say... Don't be afraid to do stuff that yeah. you haven't done before. There's a lot of stuff that I didn't even know existed in this field, but I've just gone, yes, say yes to everything. And it's about perseverance. And you might feel like you're bugging people, but everyone's really busy. So if you don't have that relationship with them yet, try and get in contact like more than once and see if there's anything like different times of the year as well work ebbs and flows um but yeah definitely back yourself and try stuff that you haven't done before because you might enjoy it as well it's not even financially it's just it's good fun to try different stuff and you'll surprise yourself with what you can actually do yeah that's really good advice i noticed when i when i reached out to you for this podcast that you instantly went to to linkedin so it's you get a good idea of who someone is i guess um and if you can if they're not a waste of time i guess so. i think it's also like yeah, I noticed with email, people t do take a little while to respond. Sometimes. Yeah, and like mutual connections, it it legitimizes you. So if you know someone that someone else knows, then they're more likely to come back to you because, oh, you've worked with that person before, so I know them and I trust their judgment kind of thing. Um, so I think that helps with credibility. But I think if you're just starting out, work experience is a massive thing. Like get as much as you can with as many different companies. Mm. And don't be afraid to go back to the same place for more work experience. So if you've gone for a week, one year, contact them again if you're studying or whatever and go back the next year because you will 100% learn something different every time you go. Um, and it's it's working your network and meeting different people and really making the most of that. That's that's really good advice. It's uh, Hopefully people will find that helpful. Um... For people that have um, just come out of university, what what sort of advice have you got? Because you've, you've you mentioned you've been, you've been to university yourself, so 
if you've got any advice about that sort of so thing. So I say while you're at uni, definitely try and get as much work experience as you can. And if you're looking to do a master's, don't feel pressure to do it straight away. Um, so I'm hoping to go on and do a master's, but I've kind of taken a year in between to start my freelancing career. So that's something that I can do while I'm studying. Um, so I'm hoping to go and do an automotive journalism MA and then after that eventually do a doctorate um, in automotive journalism. So in terms of supporting that, I've set myself oh, wow. um, personal goals, academic goals and professional goals. So obviously academically, the next thing I've got to do is do the master's so I can reach the doctorate. Um, but also professionally, I want to write with at least... 100 different titles so I'm aiming for bylines with 100 different titles um, by the time I get to my PhD so that kind of that will inform my PhD and it's just having that experience of the industry I think once you've written with that many different people and worked for that many different titles then it kind of backs the credibility of doing a doctorate Um, and I think it's a really important thing for me I'm definitely interested in academia so it's important to me to continue that um and I feel that's the best way of doing that but also you've got to have a professional background to support that um so yeah that's my goal at the moment yeah when I left uni last year I'd written with three different titles and now I've got around 30 clients um so in the last few months it's really taken off um and I've definitely already achieved a lot more than I ever thought I would in the first few months so it's going really well. Cool. Thank you for joining me on the Creator Spotlight, Trinity. It's been really good to have you on and talk about uh, your field of automotive journalist and what, and also some advice of what people can do. Uh, it's good to hear uh, that from someone who's been doing that for a little, little period of time. Um, if people want to get hold of you or get in touch or see what see what work you do, where can they find you? Yeah, you can check out my website. It's trinitygfrancis.com. Cool. Yeah, I'll put the link down below as well for that. Uh, you can find the interface and the Creator Spotlight at theinterface.uk. And then we're on Twitter as also at the underscore interface underscore. And I'll put I'll put your Twitter as well down below as well. Cool. It was lovely to meet you. Thank you for joining me on the podcast. It's been good Thank to have you. Thank you very much for having me. I'll see you soon.